Hey, what's going on, Victory Church? Let me hear you. Come on, let me hear you. Good morning, good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this awesome, awesome church. And I do want to hit just a couple of quick reminders or announcements before we get into today's service. I just want to reiterate a couple of things that the video said. Number one is in regards to you getting connected. And so listen, uh, whether you're visiting with us for the first time today or whether you're just kind of coming back, we understand that the blip happened, right? Thanos snapped and everybody kind of disappeared for a little bit and people are starting to come back. And so regardless, we want to get you connected. So whether you're visiting for the first time or whether you're just starting to come back. When you came in, you should have gotten a connection card. There's also a way for you to text to connect. So whether it's the card in your hand or whether it's the text to connect where you will put 31996 as your number, okay? So 31996 is the number, and you'll text VICTORY18, and that will send you a digital connection card. And whether you fill that out or whether you fill the actual part in your handout, the actual card, after service, you can go to our Welcome Center right in the middle of the hallway there, and you can either turn in that card or show them the proof that you did it on your phone, and they want to give you an awesome gift. We had these really awesome Victory coffee mugs that if you, how many of y'all like coffee? Anybody here drink coffee in the morning? All right, just a couple of you. And so you want to get one of those mugs so you can be drinking coffee out of that mug. So we really want you to get connected uh, so that we can help answer any questions you might have, and what we like to say is get you from your seat to your feet. Uh, start serving and being used by God and experiencing all that God's doing right here in Smyrna, Tennessee. Um, also, if you're visiting or you're just now returning and you say, man, I want to give. Uh, I, I love this church. I love what God's doing. And I really want to give. We have a couple ways for you to do that. Number one is just by going online and doing it through our website or our app. Uh, the other way is you can text to give. So I think that information, yep, is coming up behind me. So you can text to give, as well as you can just give cash or check. When you go on your way out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket that'll be kind of waiting right out there as you leave if you're wanting to be able to give that way. Um, there's so much that we're able to do as a church because of those of you that give faithfully every month. And so I will always try to take a moment here and just share what your finances are doing through our church and into this community. And some of the biggest things we like to talk about is what we're doing in the outreach concept. Because obviously God's moving and doing a lot of great things for us in this building. But we're doing a lot in the community and a lot globally. And somebody we just partnered with that I want to highlight for a second is Isaiah 117. Okay, So this ministry, what it does is it provides a loving, caring environment for foster kid while they're waiting to be placed, okay? So it's just a phenomenal ministry. It's recently come to the Rutherford County area, and we're partnering with them. And on August 22nd, we'll still be in at the movies. We have four weeks of at the movies. Uh, on that third week, they'll actually be here with some information. So if you say, hey, that's really interesting. I want to know more about it. You'll be able to ask them questions and get information and so on. But that's just one of the many things that we're able to do because of the faithful givers of this church. And so just want to encourage you to keep doing that. Also, right after church today, we announced right before COVID that we were going to Costa Rica, baby. Let me hear you. You excited about Costa Rica? I don't, I don't feel like my accent does well when I do that. I don't feel like y'all are like, yay. Um, so I won't do that anymore. But, but we're doing our first missions trip as a church to Costa Rica. And so right after church today, we'll give it a little bit of time. I'll explain that in a minute. But we are having a meeting in the library, okay? So it's an interest meeting. So if you're in here and you say, man, I'm, I don't know that I want to go. I don't know if I can go, but I'm certainly interested in going. Then go to that meeting so you can get all your questions answered. You can get all the information you need. Steve and Carrie will be in there, our, our outreach directors, and they'll be able to answer any questions that you have. Um, but I do want to ask you one big favor. 
If you go to that meeting, it's in the library. Plenty of people can direct you. But do me a favor. Go get your kids first. All right? We, we love you and we love your kids. But go get them first so that our leadership team can start breaking down kids' ministry and all that kind of stuff. So Carrie and Steve will wait. They'll fellowship for a little bit. They'll make sure everybody's there. And then they'll start the meeting. It'll be a quick informational meeting. And then you can stay for Q&A if you have any. But if you're interested in going to this missions trip, please attend that meeting so that you can get all your questions answered. Amen? All right, y'all ready for at the movies? It's here. It has arrived. It is in the building at the movies. Now, uh, I'll explain a little bit. The theme this year is the sequel, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's get started. You ready? Check this out. You guys are ready. Let me kind of explain a little bit more. I had to test the audio, make sure you were good to go. In case this is your first time here, let me explain at the movies. At the movies, what we do is every Sunday, we give you guys popcorn and Coke, and we let you experience that movie experience, and then we take some of the biggest hits and we break them down and bring out biblical truth from these movies, okay? So regardless of how you feel about movies in today's culture, the truth is that we can get biblical truth and personal truth from the movies. So this year, because we started it in 2019, it was the very first at the movies we did, and we had plans to do it in 2020, and something happened. Can't remember what it was. Something happened. We couldn't do it in 2020. Now in 2021 is what we're calling, it's part two, we're calling it the sequel, okay? So this is at the movies, the sequel, and every movie that we're going to use is a sequel of some sort, all right? So here we go. Are you ready for the first movie and at the movies? Are you ready? Watch this. Yeah. How many of y'all seen Creed 2? Anybody here seen Creed 2? Look, that is one of my favorite movies, and one of the reasons why I chose it for this series is because I feel like that we can actually relate to Adonis Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan. Now listen, we can't relate to him uh, by his abs or his boxing skills, all right, so settle down. But, but some of the ways that we can relate to him is being somebody who is struggling with managing the pressure that of living up to life's expectations, right? Like there's just this point for all of us where I think we tend to struggle a little bit because there are so many expectations put on us in life, and so there's a pressure that that brings and I like to tell our church all the time that uh, we have to be careful not to, not to give in to what I like to call the pressure to perform. There's just a pressure. There's a pressure to perform. And, and our culture continues to build that. Some of us are, are already familiar with it. For example, if, uh, if you said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan a vacation for our family. And then you sat down to plan the vacation, and then you made the mistake of telling a friend about it or getting on Instagram. Then they start telling you about their vacation and how awesome their vacation was. And now your vacation seems terrible, right, because you were going to go to Santa Claus, Indiana, and they're in, like, Paris. You know what I mean? And the, the comparison of being able to perform and all that pressure puts on you. Or, or, you know, this is kind of a funny thing we deal with today is when it comes to the quality of the food that we make. Because you get this idea, you're going to make this meal, it's going to be healthy, and then you jump on Instagram or, you know, Darla's putting something about Arbonne on there, and all of a sudden you don't feel like you have, you know, lived up to that pressure. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it comes to you being a mom, maybe it comes to you being a dad, maybe it comes to you being an employee or a boss or a student, it comes to you being a husband or a wife. There's just this pressure. There's, I, don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but it just kind of feels like this pressure to perform. Now, there's another person in the Bible who's very familiar 
with what it means to have the pressure to perform. And he's going to be the main person we talk about today, and that's King David, also known as David, also infamously known as the David who fights Goliath. Now, you may understand that in 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where he fights Goliath, but what you may not know is what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, a prophet by the name of Samuel is looking to anoint the new king. So there's a current king, his name is Saul, and the prophet Samuel is looking to anoint the new king. And so the Spirit of God leads him to the house that David lives at, and the father lines up all of his sons, and Samuel goes through, and sure enough, none of them are the person that God wants to anoint. And now Samuel's kind of confused because he knows this is the house, but none of these are the new king. And so he says to David's father, are these all your sons? And he says, actually, no, I have another one who I didn't think was worthy to even be invited to the orientation. And he's out in the field, and so they go and get him, and sure enough, he is who God wants to make the next king. And so Samuel anoints him. Think about this. His own father didn't think he deserved to even be, even put in an application for the title. And yet, when God brings him in the room, God anoints him. So we have to understand this right here. That what we see in 1 Samuel 17 and what the Bible shows us is that the second that David gets this position, there's all of a sudden a pressure. As soon as he's given a position, there's a pressure in which people are watching to see how he performs. For us, as soon as we get a position, for example, as soon as we become a mom or a dad, we're given a position and now there's pressure. As soon as we become a spouse, we're given a position, and now there's pressure. As soon as we become an owner of our own business, there's this vision, there's this dream, now there's a position, and now there's pressure. As soon as we become a middle school, a senior, now we're in a position, and there's a pressure, a pressure to perform. And in our culture today, when it comes to managing the pressure of expectation, many of us feel like we're losing the fight. One of my favorite things about that scene is that moment where it's looking at Drago and he's hidden. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that's life for me. You, you know what I mean? Have you ever, you ever been in that place where you feel like you're losing the fight trying to prove yourself? Like you're just losing the fight with life? <laughs> like you're trying your best to live up to that pressure to perform? But just, I love that part how in the beginning he's saying to himself, I'm the champ, I'm the champ, I'm the champ. And he goes out there and gets whooped. And I don't know about you, but I've had those moments, right, where, where, where I'm being called something that I don't feel like. Like I'm being called a child of God, but I don't feel like a child of God. You ever been there? You ever felt, you know, you're being called loved, but you don't feel loved. Being called forgiven, but you don't feel forgiven. Being called successful but you don't feel successful. Being called that, that you have a purpose, but you don't feel like you have a purpose. And you're just out here trying to live up to the pressure that comes with the position that people are saying you are, but you don't feel like you're that because every time you face life, life catches you with right hooks and left hooks and uppercuts, and you lose the fight. I know I'm marked by God, and I know I'm marked by God to do something great, but it's hard for me to believe it when life keeps beating me up. What I want to show you about David real quick for a moment 
is how even though David has been marked king, even though he's been anointed king and been marked by God, he still has to deal with trying to manage pressure to perform. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to read you some scripture. Let me explain it real quick. There's a battle going on uh, against a giant named Goliath who is calling and, and speaking bad against God. And David was not even invited to fight, but his dad sends him with a charcuterie board to go and give some food to his brothers. And he shows up to the battlefield. And while he's at the battlefield, he's watching Goliath come out and defy God. And the people who are supposed to be fighting him and defending God are retreating backwards. And David says, this isn't right. So then he starts to ask, hey, what's the reward for beating this giant? He starts to inquire, what, what is it? take for me to be able to get in the ring and take out this guy. And we're going to pick up in verse 28 what happens. As soon as he says that, the Bible says, when Eliab, who is David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. So when Eliab heard him inquiring about what it would take to fight the giant, it says he burned with anger. His brother burned with anger. And he asked him, why have you come down here? He goes up to David. He's mad. He says, why have you come down here? And what, watch this. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness. He's already talking about his performance. He says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. David responds. He says, now what have I done? Like I haven't even done anything. Like I showed up. This giant's talking smack about God. You're not doing anything about it. So I want to do something about it. Can't I even speak and the Bible says he turned away and he went to someone else and he brought up the same matter. And then the men answered him as before. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So it was reported to the current king and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine for your servant will go and your servant will fight him. And then watch this. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him, for you are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Now, what's so important about those verses is this, that David has already been marked king. David has already been given the position. God anointed him to be that. God called him that. And yet, as he approaches the field to fight Goliath, here's what he has to deal with. He has to deal with his brothers pressuring him about his motives. He has to deal with the current king pressuring him about his qualification. And he has to deal with Goliath pressuring him about his ability. And so no matter what David does, he's marked by God. But as he goes out, he, everywhere he turns, there are points of pressure. Anybody in here remember pressure points? Remember pressure points? We don't really talk about them anymore. I'm not really sure because they obviously still exist, but something happened to where we don't talk about pressure points anymore. But I'm 36 years old, and so when I was a kid, pressure points were a very familiar thing to me because me and my dad would often wrestle and like fight, right? And that's what he would use. Anybody in here you ever had that situation? Your granddad or your dad, your uncle or something? And it was funny because he would always make me think I had the upper hand. You know what I mean? Like there would be this moment where I was like, man, I got my dad in check. I'm handling him. And then all of a sudden he'd hit me with like a squeeze right here on the wrist. And I'm like, daddy, stop. You know what I mean? Go into that girl voice. Like you just, you just, you got let me go. 
He would hit me with, right, he squeezed right above the kneecap. You know what I'm talking about? Right here. Just, just, I mean, I'd be, I could be trying any kind of move and he'd just squeeze and I was done. And I used to call them old man moves. That's what I used to call them. I'd be like, Dad, you need to stop with them old man moves. And then I became a father. And I started using the pressure points. And I can't call them old man moves anymore because then I'd be calling myself an old man. But what's so fun is, is Veda, my 11-year-old, she likes to fight me. And, and, and she'll tell me I'm weak, all right? She'll look at me and she'll be like, you're weak. And then she'll start hitting me and try to fight me. And, and watch this. And she's learning my secrets now. And right when I let her think she's got a handle on me, I hit her with a pressure point. As soon as I, all I try to do is put her on the ground and just start squeezing right above that knee. If I can squeeze right above that knee, she's done. She's like, Dad, stop it, Dad, stop it, Dad, stop it. And here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that just when I think I get a handle on life, here come the pressure points. Right? Just when I think I've got a handle on my finances, the dryer goes out. You know what I'm talking about? Just when I think I have figured out this parenting thing, the baby is colicky. You know what I'm talking about? Like just when, just when you think, just when I think I have mastered this parent thing, my kid starts middle school. It's crazy. Just when you think you've got to a place financially, here comes that bill you wasn't expecting. Just when you think you got the car fixed, you walk out and there's oil on the driveway. You know what I'm talking about? Just when you think we've survived something, there's a new variant right around the corner. Like every time I think I got a handle on life, here comes these pressure points. But here's my sermon today. Listen to me. The key to a successful pressure point is not the amount of pressure. It's the place that the pressure is applied. Watch this. Do you see the pressure of the expectation on him. And I love how he said you know, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to do what his dad did. And I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is the pressure that Adonis Creed is carrying, watch this, is a pressure he was never supposed to carry. And I think for a lot of us, what happens is we find ourselves putting expectation on ourselves or allowing the world to put expectations on us to carry a pressure that you and I were never responsible to carry. Some of us are carrying pressure that's put on from our parents, pressure that's put on from our friends, pressure that's put on from religion, pressure that's put on from society, and we were never supposed to carry that pressure. He's carrying pressure that his father was supposed to carry. One time, as the Apostle Paul sat down to write a letter to the church in Corinth, he said these words. He said that he was hard-pressed on every side, but he was not crushed. Which is an interesting illustration to me, that you could be hard-pressed on every side. Obviously, if you're hard-pressed from these sides, maybe the expansion is up and down, so you avoid the crushing. If you're, if you're hard-pressed from down and above, maybe you can, you can expand to the sides and you avoid the crushing. But when you are hard-pressed on every side, how do you avoid being crushed? And I think the secret there is, is having something inside of you. That even though you are hard-pressed, there's something inside of you that will not allow you to be crushed. Listen, meaning that our key to survival, are you ready, is not to arrive at a place where there is the absence of pressure. And I think that's what we think we're supposed to get to. 
I just want to get to a place in my marriage where there's no more pressure. I just, here's my favorite one. I want to get to a place financially where there's no more pressure. Will that ever happen? Probably not. I want to get to a place with my kids where there's no more pressure. It'll never happen. There's pressure when they're a baby, then they become a toddler, and then they go to, you know, what, I don't even know what that is. Preschool, grade school, middle school, high school. They start driving. They start dating. They start spending money. It's, it's pressure forever. We want to get to a place where there's no pressure, but that's not the key to survival. The key to survival is not getting to a place where there's no pressure. It's learning how to handle the pressure. It's learning where the pressure is supposed to be applied. Can I show you what David teaches us? This is so beautiful. Listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. But David said to Saul, now remember, everybody's putting pressure on him. Uh, his brother said, what are you here for? What's your motives? Saul said, you, you haven't been doing this. You're young. Goliath said, you're coming at me with a stick, boy. I'm going to kill you. All these pressures. And David steps up and says, hey, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from my flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine. Don't that sound like a grade school check? You know what I'm talking about? Yo, mama, so, you know, just, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because, you ready? Here's the reason. How could you be hard-pressed and not crushed? How could you learn how to handle pressure to perform? How could you face being a mom, a dad, a friend, a Christian, a worker? How could you do that and not be beat up by the pressure? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. And here's my favorite part. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, earlier, remember, he said, I have killed both lion and bear, and I'll kill this Philistine. And in the end, he says, it was the Lord who gave me the lion, and the Lord who gave me the bear, and it will be the Lord who gives me the Philistine. Everybody is trying to put the pressure on David, and David keeps putting the pressure on God. Did you catch that? Everybody's putting it on David. You're not young enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And every time they try to put the pressure on David, David takes that pressure and applies it to God. David said, my responsibility is to show up and to throw the rock. But it's my father's responsibility to determine where the rock lands. Do you see it? The pressure's still present. you got to catch this. David says, I'm showing up to this fight with a slingshot and a rock. And he said, my responsibility is to be obedient and arrive. My responsibility is to swing this and release. That's my responsibility. It's my father's responsibility to make sure the rock goes from here to that giant's forehead. The pressure is still present. It's still there. But the responsibility is not on David. It's on the, his father. It's on the Lord. And so for us, what we have to understand is that when it comes to pressure that we're facing, we have to learn how to shift it over and let our Father carry it. 
My six-year-old, Casey Ray, she is uh, into this thing right now where she likes to um, ask me, as we're driving down the street, she likes to ask me what speed limit I'm doing. It's very annoying. Uh, we've had to have some, you know, we're all, have some counseling conversations over that, you know what I mean? Uh, but she'll see the speed limit sign, so it'll be like 45 or 55 or on the interstate or, you know, 35, and she'll see it and she'll go, Dad, and I already know what's coming. Like, now that's the only thing we talk about. And I'm like, yes, babe. And she goes, how fast are you going? And I'm going 28 miles an hour. And she's like, oh, okay, 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 cool, because it's 30, so you're, you're, you're okay. And then if, if we're on the interstate, she's like, how fast are you going? And I'm like, I don't know, 120, you know, and uh, just kidding. Uh, like, you know, 75. And she's like, oh, Dad, you need to slow down. You need to slow down, you're going to get arrested. And, and before y'all think she's like a model citizen, let's get something straight. The last time we were on the interstate, she was so worried about if I was going the speed limit. And then all of a sudden, she shifted her thought patterns. And she said, you know what, Dad? What if we could beat every car, you know, to our, to our exit? And I was like, so you want me to race every car? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm in. And so we just started flying. And she was like, what speed limit? And I said, now, hold on. You can't tell me to speed and then get mad at me for speeding. You know what I mean? But finally, I had to set her down and I say, listen, sweetheart, you are six years old. You have plenty of time in your life to worry about if you're speeding. You have plenty of time in your life to worry about how you're going to talk yourself out of a ticket. But right now, that's my responsibility. I'm your father. I'm driving. Be a kid. Sit back there and watch your show. Don't worry about something that I'm responsible for. And what I think we need to learn through the story of David is that we as children of God who feel like we have all this pressure to perform, we've got to quit trying to take on pressure that's not our responsibility. we got to get to a place where God's saying, hey, listen, child, quit trying to do what I'm doing. Quit trying to take on my, let me be your father. I've learned this recently, that, that pressure is manifested in performance. When I feel the pressure, I perform. But it's rooted in pride. When I perform, that's the manifest, manifestation of this pressure. But that pressure is rooted in pride. And here's what I mean. The only reason why I wouldn't surrender my life to Christ is because there's still something in me that thinks I can do it. And so when I hold on to that and I try to control it, now all of a sudden I'm holding that pressure. But the second I can get to a place where I can set down my pride and release it all to Jesus, now it's no longer pressure on me. It's pressure on God. And just so you're clear, God can handle it. If you're visiting, I don't want you to be like, man, he's really mean to God. No, God's got it. All right? God did all of this. He created you, created me. He did all of this in six days. He's got it. Our pressure is not pressure to him. But as long as we sit back thinking we're good enough or we're great enough or we're strong enough and our pride causes us to keep some of it, we'll give God some of it but not all of it, and we try to keep our finances. God, you can have this, but I'm going to keep my finances. You can have this, but I'm going to keep my marriage. You can have this, but I'm going to keep my kids. And we keep pieces of it, and there we're carrying the pressure that God's supposed to carry. And nothing reveals surrender better than pressure. When you experience pressure, it reveals to you if you have fully surrendered to Jesus. Because when you have, listen, and pressure comes, you can point the pressure 
to your father. Watch this. How many of y'all, when that, when that Rocky theme came on, you were ready to run? How many of y'all were like that? <laughs> look, look, when I was watching this movie, what made me want to do this movie was when that referee grabs him and he says, what's your name? And he's like, Creed. And he goes, what's your name? Creed! I got so pumped, I'm like in my living room like, Powell! <laughs> Which means nothing, but you know, it means nothing. But I couldn't help but, but, but make that connection with David. Watch this. Go back to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 45. Watch what happens. David said to the Philistine, first he was speaking to Saul. Now he's speaking to the giant. Now he's speaking to the pressure. Now he's speaking to all of the difficulty, to what life is bringing at him. He says, you can come against me with sword and spear and javelin. You can come against me with a dryer that didn't work and my van leaking oil and my baby won't sleep at night. You can come at me, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. That was my moment where I felt him go, what's your name? David, what's your name? Son of God. That's what I felt right there. He said, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And then watch this. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Man, I'm just fired up about that moment because that's the biblical way of David announcing whose he is. I'm a child of God. I don't have to deal with this pressure. I can put it on my father, and you can come at me with whatever you want, but it doesn't matter because I'm not fighting you in flesh. I'm not fighting you with weapons that are carnal. I'm fighting you in the spirit. I'm fighting you as a son of God. I'm fighting you as a daughter of God. I'm fighting you as saved, redeemed, set free, mercy-filled, grace-filled. I'm fighting you in the name of my daddy. You're victorious. David reminded us of one of the best things about living our life for Jesus. Watch this. It's my body. It's my slingshot. It's my shoulder. I even picked out the rock. But it is not my battle. And I just came to set some of you free this morning. You're living up under all this pressure that everybody's putting on you to be something that God's already called you to be. He's already anointed you. You don't need to prove it to them. You don't need to live up to some expectation. You're already mom, and you're doing a phenomenal job. You're already dad. You're already husband, wife, businessman, dreamer, entrepreneur, love, save, set free, free. You're already these things. And so as the world starts trying to put the pressure on you, listen, stop trying to hold up the pressure. And instead, just be willing to say, you know what? This ain't mine to carry. When he said his name at the end, you could tell there had been a shift. Because in the first part of the movie, that name brought pressure of expectation. In the end, when he screams it, it's different. Because he understands what it means. Look, some of us even allow being a child of God to put pressure on us. That's not how it's supposed to be. When you give your life to Jesus, I'm talking to two people. Number one, are those of you that have never given your heart to Christ. When you give your heart to Christ, he takes that pressure off of you if you'll let him. Now let me talk to you, those of you that you're saved, 
You're a believer in Jesus. But even though you chose to follow Christ, you still keep trying to carry that pressure. And I want to I speak something over you. I want to give you an opportunity. And it's in Matthew 11, 28, 30. And Jesus says this. Come to me, all who are weary. You tired? Anybody here tired of trying to hold up pressure of what you need to do and what you're supposed to do? You don't even have all the information. Our teachers are about to go back to work. Our kids are about to go back to school. And there's so much pressure on them. They don't even know what to do. Teachers, are you weary? Come to Jesus. Moms and dads, are you weary? Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Anybody in here work out? Anybody here go to the gym? You lift weights? (laughs) Never mind. Let me ask you a question. When, when, when you have a moment of rest, Jimmy, I'll talk to you for a second. You don't have moments of rest at the gym, but when you do, do you keep carrying the weight? Do you rest with the weight in the air? No, you don't? That's weird. Because that's what we do. We keep holding on to the weight while we rest. You rest? Yeah, I'm resting. I, I took Monday off. What'd you do? I worried all day on the couch. So you, didn't, you never actually rested. See, if I'm correct, Jimmy, we'll take bench presses because you got the pecs of a, of a pegasus. Okay. Is, is that good? I don't know if that's good. But he's lifting the, the bench press. And then when he gets it up here and he's ready to rest, there's something else there, right? You might even have a spotter. But it's either a spotter or it's the machine. And he releases the weight. Something else holds the weight and he rests. How much louder does Jesus have to be? When he says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, put the pressure down. Put it down. And in me, in Christ, find rest. And he says, watch this, and take my yoke upon you. Like, okay, here you go, pastor. Now, yep, here we go. He's taking mine, but I got to take his, and now I'm not getting rest anyway. No, no, no. He says, take it upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just want to challenge you for a moment this morning. That if, whether you're saved or whether you're not saved, but if you're finding yourself in this place where you're carrying pressure that you know you shouldn't be carrying, I want to invite you to just release it. Just release it. Do me a favor, stand. Where you are. Everybody just stand for me real quick. We're closing. But Scott, I, I absolutely love what you did when you had us put our hand. Man, that, that, that was good. That was good. So do me a favor if you can. If you don't have both hands, put one hand. But just, just in a symbol, in symbolic way, put your hands out like this. Close your eyes. You may pray this in your heart. You may pray it out loud. Whatever, whatever works for you. But whatever that pressure is right now, I just want you to ask Jesus, would you take it from me? Jesus, give me confidence in who I am. Son of God, a daughter of God. I keep trying to perform so that I can prove who I am, but you've already called me that. You've already called me a child of God. You've already called me queen. You've already called me queen. You've already called me. 
And I keep trying to perform to prove. And so, Father, we're praying Matthew 11, 28 through 30 right now. You said it in your own words. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. So just in your own way, ask him right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I need you to come in. I need you to take this weight off of me. I want to give it to you, and then I want your yoke upon me. Your yoke is revelation of who you are. Your yoke is your presence. Your yoke is your love. Father, I want those things, but I want rest. I want rest in this place. Father, hear our prayers. Father, hear our prayers. Now put your hands down and receive it. Just receive it. Don't make excuses for it. Just receive it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Father, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you that who you were with David, you are with us. I thank you that you called us. You identified us long before our performance, Father. You called us who we were because you died for us. Father, we thank you for that. I want to challenge you for a moment. I'll pray and then I'll, I'll leave. We'll close with a song. But if you're in this place and, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. So you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, and then you confess it with your mouth. And so I'll pray a prayer in a moment, but I want to give a little bit of information. You got those cards when you came in. If you choose to give your heart to Jesus, would you please let us know on one of those cards? I would love to call you this week, answer questions, do whatever I can do to help you walk out this thing. And maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've just kind of fallen off and, and you're wanting to get back into it. Do the same thing. Just mark it. Just let me know so that we can contact you and say, hey, how can we help you? How can we pray for you? What can we do to help you in this walk? But do me a favor. Do not walk out of here with the stuff you just gave Jesus. Don't pick it back up. Don't pick it back up. You don't need to perform. You are his child. You are his daughter. You are his son. Father, we pray right now. Every person in this place has a relationship with you. If they don't, I pray they would ask right now, Father, I pray they would pray, Jesus, I know you died for my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Father, it's not about what they say. It's about where their heart is when they say it. I pray for every person in this room. I pray not only do we have a great time, but that we experienced your presence. And we truly felt like we had an encounter with God and we truly can come to him and find rest. I pray that everyone in here finds rest in you, Father. Do something supernatural in this place. And as David said, when life comes at us with spear and javelin, we'll look back at it and say, I come to you in the name of my Father. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. For it is my body and it is my slingshot 
and it is my shoulder, and it is my rock, but it is not my battle. Father, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.